Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Deborah Ferrone, strategic marketing advisor, author, and keynote speaker. Deborah, great to have you with us today. It's great to be with you, David. So tell us about your journey from CMO for major law firms to consultant to now author. Well, it's been a fascinating road. I've been CMO of two terrific firms. I was at Deborah Voice in Plimpton for about 14 years and then was at Cravath for another 14 years. I have a certain symmetry in most of the things that I do, so that worked out well. And I loved being an in-house marketer. I really enjoyed being a CMO. But I think part of that means that when you're a CMO, you are managing a group and managing a function and thinking about firm strategy, but you're also consulting in many ways. You know, just as I'm sure you've seen, you get to know individual partners and you give them advice and you sit down and you figure out what their own strategic plans are. So when it came time to think about making a career move, I thought I would love to try to be a consultant on the outside. I had already been, I started off my career at a PR agency, so I had done that. And then I had gone in-house twice as a CMO. And so I thought this was just a natural progression. And at the time I was thinking about consulting, POI came to me and asked if I would write a book on business development and marketing. And so that's how I ended up writing the book as well as consulting. And the name of your book is? It is Best Practices in Law Firm Business Development and Marketing. And it's published by PLI, so it can be purchased on the PLI website or on Amazon. I was one of your first buyers, I think. The moment your announcement came out, I went straight to the PLI website and bought a copy. So I have flipped through it, and there's a lot of really valuable information in here. It appears to me to be something of a comprehensive guide. You cover a lot of different topics, everything from cross-selling to AI to developing a strategy to accountability. So you really cover a lot of different elements in this book. Was that your intention? I did want to cover as much as I could so that the book could be read by either a partner at a law firm who really wanted to find out what state of the art was for business development or someone in a marketing department who wanted to know, well, what are the best practices at other firms? And I've always been curious to know who's doing what really well. And so this was a great chance for me. And I was just so inspired by the different stories I heard, whether it was, you know, interviewing Mitch Silkey at Oric or speaking with the folks at Deckard or Allen and Overy. These were incredible firms doing really interesting work, and you just wanted to dive in. You know, and there were a few times I had trouble kind of backing off and saying, okay, I can't ask too many questions about this particular topic, or I'll never finish the book. Right. And so that took me a certain amount of discipline. But I think having a deadline, knowing that I wanted to have it out in a year, and that I had a schedule to do it that way, that helped. And I also, I have friends who have written books. One of them, Randy Smith, who now writes for the New York Times, had given me a great piece of advice. And he said, at some point, you're just going to have to say, this is another topic for another writer or for another time. I can't keep on going down this road. And you do have to call it kind of 
quits at a certain point and say, okay, I've covered this topic and now I have to move on to the next. So I hope that the book includes a lot of different perspectives and pieces of advice without delving so deep that you can't move on to the next chapter easily. Well, from my review of it, you accomplished that goal. Oh, thank you. It was fun. I actually enjoyed writing. I loved the process even much more than I thought I was going to. And playing the part of reporter and sitting there with managing partners and CMOs and individuals who were really leaders in technology, it just was awe-inspiring. Well, I want to take a deep dive into one of the components that you cover in your book. So you talk about some of the best practices in legal marketing and business development around practice planning. So what are your observations when it comes to planning, both from the perspective of the lawyer as well as the marketing professional? It's a great question because there are so many lawyers out there that say, well, I have a practice plan, but it doesn't really help. Or a marketer had me build this plan and and it just kind of sits there and we look at it once a year and, and don't really do much with it. But I think that just means that lawyers need systems, whether it's something very technical that's going to remind them that they need to follow up with things, or as simple as a calendar reminder, or a list that they keep on their desk of who they're going to be pursuing, which potential clients and how they're going to do it. But I really do believe that everyone needs a system. And again, it's different for different people. I am a very visual person. And so I have colored folders and different colors for different clients. And that's how I keep my world straight. But, you know, not everyone is going to follow the same kind of system. But I think those systems are important so that a practice plan doesn't sit as a document in someone's desk drawer. I really think these documents, quite frankly, should be short. They should be something that could be articulated very easily and very clear. And when I look at a a document that's five, six, seven pages long, and someone tells me that's their practice plan for the year, Well, I think it's great to have the data to back up these practice plans. It should be very concise and very action-oriented by stating who will do what when. So I think that's my advice really to the lawyers. But I think my advice to the marketing people really dovetails with that. I think part of what firms do well is that if they have a great practice plan that someone has put a lot of time into and they're actually pursuing the business, they need to socialize that around the firm so that other partners know what they're doing and other staff members in the marketing department know what is in the plan. And I think they really need to make sure that people who know about the plan are the ones who are active in creating it and who will be impacted by it, but also the naysayers in the firm. So socializing plans, I think, is is something that firms sometimes miss. I think that's important. And also the fact that maybe this isn't something for the marketers, but something for the leadership of the firm is to make sure that individuals are rewarded with their compensation based on how they are actually following up on these plans. Yeah. It's a lot of infrastructure that most firms do not currently have, which means that it has to be handled in analog. So that's a lot of hours that the marketing and business development team don't necessarily have, ensuring that these plans get looked at for more than just one out of the 365 days in the year, ensuring that there are dialogues happening on a regular basis between the various lawyers, between their practice and industry groups, making sure that these plans are somehow networked with one another so that you don't end up with siloed plans. It's a very complicated problem to solve without technology. 
I think you're right. But I think today's modern technology, if it's utilized properly, can be a big help. And so slowly we're starting to see firms use the technology appropriately and figure out how can they do this in a way that's faster, better, cheaper than what they've done before. So we have a module on Practice Pipeline that allows firms to add their business plans and network them across the firm, allows them to focus on the targets that they have identified in those respective plans. It integrates with CRM, it improves lawyer adoption, and ultimately oversight on behalf of the marketers. I'm not aware of a lot of other technology that has that functionality. Have you seen anything else in the marketplace that can do those things, or are you seeing more homegrown solutions? I've seen more homegrown solutions as far as keeping together kind of the practice plans, or I've seen great technologies that will help bridge certain systems. I know, for instance, Intap has some great technologies that will do that for you, and one place also has very strong technology in that area, but I haven't seen anything specific to practice plans. So it's very interesting, and I want to see your product, David. <laughs> well, well, we'll set that up for another time. But I do think that the fact that that list is pretty short speaks to what I hope is a burgeoning realization in our industry that we need to stop managing these, these processes manually. We need to stop handling everything analog or with homegrown solutions that are ultimately going to be very expensive and probably not as elegant as something that is specifically developed for that function by people who are working in the industry with a multiple of firms. Not to say that I'm eager for a lot of other competitors to, uh, to rise up and, and uh, be in the marketplace where we are working, but I will say that the fact that there are so few products certainly points to the evolution that I hope is ahead of us. I think you're right. You know, I have heard more firms hiring people who are marketing technologists to actually look at this technology. But I think one of the key things that firms need to do when they're looking at it is really involve the lawyers who are going to utilize the technology and talk to the people within those practice areas, because there's a lot that's out there, but choosing the right technology is going to be key. But I think you're right. It's no longer the day of homegrown resources because very often there is a better tool that's outside of the firm. Sure. So tell me a little bit about systems that you have encountered that may be analog, but were effective in managing, implementing, and ultimately ensuring the success of a practice plan. Some of them are as basic as as anything. You know, some of them I, I worked with one firm and, and spoke to them at great length that produces a practice plan every year for every partner and they make sure that every six months they meet with that partner and go over the plan. Now I guess you need to know that you have to have the staff in order to do that. But I think that human element really does help. And so sometimes it's low tech like that. But I've also worked with systems where we're tying in CRM data and we're able to look at potential news sources like Bloomberg or Pacer and see that something's about to happen or may happen and then run that information through a CRM to figure out who at the firm knows whom. And more and more firms are doing that. And I think that that's very important. But there are, again, technologies that can now bridge that gap that have come out really within the last year or so. So I think that's important. I think knowing what those indicators are when a company may be sued or when a company may have to do a stock buyback or want to do it or when a company may refinance their debt, 
I think if firms can figure out what those indicators are and watch for them on something like a Bloomberg terminal, that that can really be helpful. And so, you know, there are a number of kind of technologies out there that will help people in developing their plans. Do you think that a once every six month cadence for business plan review is the right one? I think it depends on the person, quite frankly. I'm sure in the best of all possible worlds, there would be someone there once a month seeing the partner checking in. But I also don't know if that's really possible. Marketing percentages and what people are spending are not as high in law firms as they are at other professional service firms. We know that the percentages, usually I think it's between 2 and 3%. And in general business, it's 4% or higher. So I don't know if it's physically possible for people to spend more time kind of going after people. But again, it just, just really depends on the size of the firm and what the individual partners kind of want and can bear. Yes. And so much of it depends on the culture of the firm, too. If it is a firm where the concept of reviewing a practice plan is received with some resistance by the lawyers, then, of course, the marketers, the firm leaders, they all have to work that much harder and put that many more resources and systems in place to try to get something to happen. Whereas a firm that is more entrepreneurial or business development oriented in its culture will ultimately find that the lawyers drive some of that process themselves independently. I think that's very true. And so much of this goes back to that ugly word that we mentioned earlier, which was compensation and how partners are compensated. And if the compensation is really attached to building the business, but also collaborating with one another, which is the best thing that they can do, and they get compensated for those collaboration touch points, that's going to make it a lot easier. But when you don't have a compensation system that's rewarding working with your marketing department or collaborating with other partners, it's a tougher road to, to hike. You know, you can only do so much if someone thinks, well, wait a second, I should just concentrate on my existing clients or I shouldn't bring in this other partner to a pitch. That can be a real, you know, detriment to a firm and they end up leaving a lot of money on the table because of it. That's right. Would you say that compensation is at the heart of any culture that is business development oriented in your experience or have you seen exceptions to that? I think it is a major part of it. You can definitely see firms that are more lockstep developing business in a way that's more collaborative than others that are not. However, there are firms with great compensation systems run by very smart people who have said, we are going to attribute points to collaboration. And so I think it just depends. But I do think compensation very often can be a big driver of culture. The other big driver, obviously, is leadership and role modeling. And lawyers who are so precedent-oriented really do look at role models to see how they're performing. So if they see the firm's leadership going out for new business pitches and inviting in other partners and giving origination credit to other partners, they're more likely to follow suit. So I think leadership also has enormous part to play in how the culture develops. Yes. Here, here. Well, I have one final question for you, Deborah. Tell us now that you've experienced both sides of the fence as an internal marketing leader, and now as a consultant, what advice do you have for each category? What advice do you have for your in-house marketing former colleagues, either at the firms where you've been or other firms? And what advice would you have for fellow consultants like me? 
That's a great question. I think if I had advice for in-house marketing people, it would almost be the same advice I would have given myself, which is never rest on your laurels because things are changing so quickly in this whole profession. We've seen the clients are definitely more in the driver's seat. They have so many choices of how to get legal work done. They can hire more people in-house than they had in the past. And we're seeing by all the surveys that they're planning to do more internal hiring than they are as a percentage of spend versus going out and and hiring more law firms. So they have choices to do that. They can also use legal process outsourcers or legal service companies. They can control their costs better with operations and people who are members of CLOCK or who are just very involved in legal operations and that new kind of paradigm. And so those things are really changing the way firms are going to be getting business. And I think smart marketers are the ones who are talking to the legal operations people at their clients. And they're also finding out about new technologies and they're reading a lot. I think there's just dramatic change and you really need to be on top of it. And I also think you need to be on top of finding new ways to help clients and also being in charge of your own career. You have to say that if you want to develop your career, it's not going to be handed to you by the firm, but you have to really figure out what it is that you want to do and go out there and learn and create your own brand and and get things done. But I think, you know, we're so lucky. There's so many great marketers at so many good firms that for the younger people coming up in legal marketing, they have a great opportunity to really learn from some terrific people. And as far as, you know, my advice to other consultants, and you and I have talked about this before, I think collaboration is the name of the game. I think it's that way with, with clients and law firms and thinking about Fragman joining with maybe it was Deloitte to offer immigration services. Those firms are kind of saying, okay, if there's a hole in the market and we can't fill it, let's collaborate. Let's find another kind of provider that can maybe join with us and provide the service. And I think as a consultant, very often, you know, I will say no to an assignment if it's not in my wheelhouse. And I think consultants need to know that it's okay to say no, but it's even better if you can collaborate with someone. And so I think the more that consultants can be collaborative with one another to find the best solutions for their clients, that's probably a good thing. And so I think as a consultant, we just need to be creative and keep learning from one another and just really providing the very best service for our clients that way. Well, great advice. And Deborah, thank you so much for collaborating with me today on this podcast. It's been a delight to have you on this episode, and I wish you all the best of luck with your new book, Best Practices in Law Firm Business Development and Marketing. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.